0: Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College. We are passionately Pompey. There's been a lot of change in a very short period of time at this football club and it very much feels like new beginnings. Pure, unadulterated Pompey. No more looking back now for Portsmouth Football Club. know we're going to try to create something that's really exciting action and reaction the aim is to try to create something that everybody can look forward to giving pompey fans a voice portsmouth supporters just the most passionate in the country and the first thing they think about when they wake up is football and the last thing they think about before they go to bed is football we know the difference that they can make to this club this is the football hour it's a unique city it's a working class city the people have a real resilience a determination a grit and we We want to make sure that we find players that have those qualities.
1: Another week comes around with no Pompey game to look forward to. Saturday's game with Bolton was called off due to international call-ups and this weekend's clash with Rotherham United has also been postponed with the Millers in EFL Trophy final action on Sunday instead. That has, however, allowed us to dedicate our time here on Express FM to speaking to some very special guests. On Friday, we caught up with aspiring young footballer Peaches Davies, Her Game 2 co-founder Emily Drakeley, Pompey in the community CEO Claire Martin and head coach of the Pompey women Jay Sadler. If you missed that show, you can download and listen back to it by visiting our website, expressfm.com forward slash podcast. Although, I would suggest you hold fire on that for now, because we've got another very special guest in the studio with us between now and seven o'clock. Blues head coach Danny Cowley is currently sat across from me, ready to discuss his first year in charge at PO4. So stay right where you are and don't go anywhere, because for the next 60 minutes, we've got another special edition of the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour, 93.7. Express FM. A very good evening and welcome to Express FM for another episode of the Footblower, which is of course brought to you this season by Stagecoach Across the South. Download the app today from either the Apple app or Google Play Store to locate your nearest stop and to keep up to date with timetable information and traffic updates too. Well, as promised, we've got another big show lined up tonight with Pompey Head Coach Danny Cowley joining us live right the way through until seven o'clock this evening. Ready to talk about the past twelve months in charge of off at Fratton Park, of course, as well as look ahead to the final eight games of this season, and was delighted to say, but he's here with us right now, Danny. Great to see you. Thank you very much for coming in to speak to us this evening. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, thanks for having me So, so Danny, let's uh, go straight into it You've recently surpassed one year in charge of Portsmouth Football Club It all began with the announcement of your arrival on March 19th, 2021 With your first game in the dugout, a 2-1 win over Ipswich the next day How much of a challenge was it to go straight into a match like that Having only arrived through the door what, somewhat 24 hours beforehand? Yeah, it was a pretty crazy period of time.
0: Um, we'd obviously been speaking to Portsmouth for, for probably a week week or so. and um, Yeah, yeah. obviously came in on the Thursday afternoon, met the staff and then met the players first thing on Friday morning. Nicky and I spoke to the players just about the way that we would like to work, a little bit about the game idea. Then we went out to train. Obviously, the day before the, the, the game is only so much you can do on the grass, but it was very much just trying to get get down some early understanding of how we wanted to work and how we wanted to play um did a little bit of tactical work in preparation for the Ipswich game and then then attack the game really and the, the players were brilliant just really open minded um yeah took t- took it all on board and showed a real energy and enthusiasm and, and we were able to get the win on on, on the Saturday
1: yeah if you'd like to get in touch from back home tonight Pompey fans you absolutely can whether you've got a question for Danny Cowley or simply just a message for the Blues head coach do not hesitate to pick up your phones and get involved this evening all the usual ways it's 81400 on the text start those with the word express Pompey at expressfm.com is where to direct your emails otherwise you can tweet in to add it at expressfm or find us over at facebook.com forward slash Pompey live uh, Pompey in Canberra on Twitter is first up tonight they've got in touch saying I'd like to know the story around how we got Gavin Bazunu and all of the background work that went into it. Uh, a great bit of business, albeit only for a season. Danny, Gavin Bazunu, undeniably a, a fantastic signing. How did that one come about?
0: Yeah, so Gavin was a goalkeeper that we we were aware of. Um, we actually played Rochdale at the back end of um, the last season. He um, he obviously is um, a Manchester City boy. We, we first saw him play actually in, in in the Europa Cup for Shamrock Rovers, and he made his debut as a 16 year old. And I can remember it being a really important game, and with about five minutes to go, he stepped inside the, the the forward come to press him. He stepped inside him and just clipped the ball to the fallback and uh, just showed the the technical. Ability, but also the confidence that, that that he had in his in his own ability, and um, yeah, we we watched a lot a lot of him at Rochdale, and probably didn't have it all of his own way uh, in that Rochdale alone um, but we certainly saw enough that, that we liked in terms of, his, of first his goalkeeping and um, the speed that he has around the box, he's able to pl- keep a really high line, obviously we like to defend early and press high up the pitch so we need a goalkeeper that, that is willing not just to defend their box but almost defend their half and um, and he certainly can do that with his speed and, and his technical ability with his feet and he's, um, he's a goalkeeper that makes a lot of saves. And 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 has excellent distribution. Yeah, so he, he ticks so many boxes for us, and probably we we were looking at, at maybe three. We had a shortlist of three goalkeepers that we could take on loan once we knew that it probably wasn't possible to to extend uh, Craig McGill for his time at time at Portsmouth. And and yeah certainly Gavin in, in terms of in terms of potential, uh, we felt was 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 right at the top. And yeah, delighted to 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 have been able to sign him. And he's he's been he's just been a a pleasure and a privilege to, to, to watch him work and watch him develop and I, I've i absolutely no doubt that he'll, he'll go right to the top
1: Yeah, Well Danny let's go back in time a little bit because this is our, our, our actually our first chat together here on Express FM uh, we've been very lucky over the past couple of seasons to have the likes of Ollie and Max from the club as well as uh, Andy Moon from BBC Radio Solent share their pre and post match interviews with yourself to use here on the station let's go right to the beginning of your coaching career because you began uh, managing at Concord Rangers in 2008 whilst also balancing uh, teaching duties at a school in Essex how on earth did you make that busy lifestyle work
0: yeah it was it was certainly busy my my career came to an end at at 28 I didn't really see it coming I picked up an injury and spent about 18 months trying to rehab that injury and and realized that I wasn't going to get back to playing to the level that I wanted to and then you kind of have that decision what, what to do next and I'd been teaching then for about six or seven years and the, na- the the nature of teaching and my role as a PE teacher we we, we were lucky to work at a, an, a school that had a, a huge extracurricular tradition and would competed at county, national and, and even world level and, and so, so probably a lot of the skills that I had developed were quite transferable to go into coaching and management and football is something that I love and is always the first thing I think about when I wake up and the last thing I think about before I go to bed so when you stop playing you kind of need to try to fill that void and luckily I I, I found a, a role at Concord Rangers and um, yeah managed to juggle with, 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 with being a head of PE at, at, at a successful school and yeah it was a busy time but a great time and I had what, eight wonderful years at Concord Rangers just a brilliant club picked them up in step five of non league football, which would be tier nine in in English football. So we were in the Essex Senior League and managed to get promotion in our first season. We won the league. Probably Cheated a little bit because I I was able to call on a few friends that I'd played with and, and ov- obviously Nicky who'd probably come down a couple of divisions to play for us and I think he scored 27 goals from midfield that year and wow. we ended up scoring 199 goals that season which I think was the most in the top nine divisions in the country and got promoted and got off to a good start in, in, in management and then um, the next season we uh, we lost in a playoff final actually so then I felt the other side of it we lost on sudden death penalties but but managed to get. Another promotion in the third season, and yeah, just got some momentum. Um, it was a great club, really family orientated club. Like I said, had, had had nine, sorry, eight wonderful years at Concord, and um, we ended up in just on the edge of the playoffs in the Conference South, which was a which was a huge achievement for what was a, a pretty small club.
1: Yeah, uh, has Nicky still got his boots? yes he has could we, could you yeah some kind of goals right now absolutely yeah no <laughs> well, he, he's got a, he's got a lot of
0: goals for us in in as a player and probably the first seven seasons was a was a regular in in our team and and played all the way through the divisions and then um probably once we got to the conference south it it did ended up having all of his cartilage taken out of his knees, so he was kind of bone on bone and not able to play as much. But by that time, he'd kind of adopted a coaching role as well, and um, yeah, we'd uh, we'd improved as a team, and uh, yeah, we had we had some good times.
1: You mentioned there eight, eight years at Concord, promotion in the first season, and in, in front of particularly small crowds. Three promotions in total. You mentioned up to the, the conference South coming the end of your tenure, also with an FA Cup run uh, through to the first round proper in your final season. Too many will probably highlight your, your time at Lincoln as perhaps the, the biggest achievement in your coaching career so far. And we'll come on to talk about that soon, actually. But I'd imagine Concord holds a pretty special place in your heart as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I still have a lot of friends back back at Concord Rangers. It's always one of the first results that I look out for on a, on a Saturday and um it's it's a great club it's a really it's it's a, it's a small club but it's got a, got a huge heart and it's um yeah now we're really proud of what we achieved there and and how we left the club there's the, the academy there and all of the young teams and also the stadium and the, and the and the changing rooms and the and the improvements that we were able to make and uh, it was a it was a, it was a real a real collective effort from everybody involved and uh Yes, yeah, certainly some 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 good times. And when when we left for Braintree, it was um, yeah, it was it was it was a really sad day for me.
1: Yeah, uh, you, you spent a season at Braintree, as you mentioned there, before taking charge of Lincoln in 2016, getting the club promoted back to the Football League at the first time of your asking, after seven years away for the Imps. Not to mention that incredible FA Cup run uh, to the quarter final in the same campaign. You've had plenty of them, but does that season go down as probably the most memorable yet?
0: Probably, yeah it was it was a, it was a brilliant season. I mean the year before we'd, we'd had a wonderful time at Braintree, just a year there, but we were a part-time team and we, we finished third in the national league, which for for that club was was an outstanding achievement and the players that we inherited and the ones that we signed and the group that we become were, were you know th- those people will, will will forever have a special place in my heart because just incredible what the players achieved that season at Braintree and then Lincoln, yeah we we, we had momentum. I think I had a big decision to make, Nicky and I, because we'd kind of dreamt about being in professional football from a young age, you kind of dream to be a player, just come up a little bit short and then kind of at 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 37, had the opportunity to to finally go into into full-time football and when that opportunity arose at the back end of the Braintree season, yeah, when it's your dream, you kind of you kind of just have to run with it, and it was tough because I love my job as a PE teacher. I love PE, I love sport, I love working with young people. Um, but but ultimately, that opportunity arose, and yeah, we we had a brilliant time. Lincoln is a is a f- a fantastic place, a little bit off the beaten track. Some people don't realise what a beautiful place Lincoln is, but the people uh, are just 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 great. And we um, we we eventually moved there as a family and, and loved our time there. And uh, first season was was fantastic, just a just a roller coaster. Really managed to um, get off to a good start. I think the ambition was to try to get to the playoffs in that first season. Um, we then we then probably did better than anyone anticipated, and we we eventually um, got to the top of the league, and then had that wonderful cup run. And I think, yeah, maybe went on a, a twenty-game unbeaten run during the middle of that season, and uh, certainly drew a lot of confidence from the cup run. We were able to to be olden to be. Ipswich to beat Brighton who were top of the championship at the time and then went to Burnley and beat Burnley away um, in the Premier League and and, yeah I think we are the first non-league club in over 100 years to reach the quarter-finals and of course we drew Arsenal away at the Emirates and yeah played Arsenal in front of 60,000 people and it was a game that I think the club in total raised nearly £3 million in that cup run and were able then to buy their own training ground and I think the success that we had that season gave us a platform to, to push on from.
1: Yeah, uh, We've spoken about your memories so far in the non-league and, and bringing Lincoln City back, in, back into the Football League and the FA Cup run. Alongside you through this journey has been your brother Nicky, who you mentioned previously. Quite a unique partnership and certainly something different. I don't think we've seen too many examples of that, if, if any, off the top of my head, uh, of brothers staying together for so long uh, as they embark on, on life in the dugout. You mentioned Nicky came to you as a player. Um, Was it ever the aim, was it ever the long term aim to have him alongside you through your management career?
0: yeah i think that was always going to be the sort of natural evolution really um nikki we also taught at the same school so we um we taught at a school called fitz Weimar school so it was myself nikki and my wife taught in the in the girls department as well and uh yeah we were lucky enough to be state sports school of the year in 2013 which i think 3600 secondary schools it was something that we you know was still one of our, our proudest achievements and had just some Brilliant kids who would just love sport and would come in every morning to practice, and we kind of yeah just run with it and uh, and and had some really good fun. But but yeah, Nicky Nikki obviously had the skill set to be able to coach, and once his football come to an end, it was yeah it was the, sort of a natural progression for him. And yeah, I think we um, yeah we we we've had some good success since.
1: Yeah, how, how do you manage to to kind of balance your working relationship of, of alongside what is of course your family relationship? Is is it is it quite as easy but as perhaps it looks from an outsider perspective? I think
0: for us, yeah, we're really focused on our football. Our wives often ask us about what about our social lives, and I never know what Nicky's doing because all we ever really talk about is football. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're both pretty driven and and we're, and we're focused, and the ambition is just on a daily basis to tr- try to keep improving. So that we can hopefully provide the, the very best environment for the, for, for the players to be successful.
1: Yeah. Uh, back to the social media front now, uh, and Jazz Parvin has uh, another question about the man between mistakes, Gavin Bazunu, asking, what are the chances of keeping Baz for another year and how do you intend to replace the lone players currently at the club? Well, I
0: think we've been pretty pleased with the, the lone players that we brought in. It was always kind of part of our strategy in the summer to um to try to sign five loan players that would 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 get straight in and be significant parts to, to to our first team i think that when we looked at the the budget and the best way to manage the budget we obviously um had inherited players and we only had a certain amount of money to be able to spend in in, in the summer so so it was always to to really target the the, the loan market and yeah gavin has been been exceptional we would love to have loved to keep him um I don't think it'll be possible because in reality I think that he will have if not if not Premier League loan he'll ever he'll have a um, alone, right at the top of the championship. That's certainly what I anticipate for for Gavin next.
1: Definitely. Um, okay, then let's uh, let's move on then. And actually, time is escaping us. So we've had a had a good chat so far. It's nearly twenty past six already. So it's time for a very quick break now. But myself and Daddy will be back in just a few moments to carry on with our conversation, as well as to go through some more questions from back home as well. That's all to come here on the Only Radio Station. Proud to be passionately Pompey. You're listening to the Football Hour here on Express FM. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back along to tonight's instalment of the Football Hour, which is being driven to you this season by Stagecoach Across the South, getting you across the South Coast and up through Hampshire with a minimum of fuss. You join us here for another special edition of the show. This evening, I'm joined by Blues head coach Danny Cowley, who's very kindly given up his time to be here with us to go through what has been now 12 months in charge of Portsmouth Football Club. Uh, Danny, we were talking before the break about your time in management prior to Pompey, particularly at uh, Lincoln City and the relationship you have with your brother and assistant Nicky, but Nicky's not the only link between you have between Fratton Park and Sinsel Bank defender Sean Raggett um, has now played for you uh, for both sides although he had actually signed for Pompey before your arrival let's talk a bit about him because I think many here would probably agree that this season under your guidance Sean has been one of if not the most improved player at the football club from the squad last season what's your relationship like with him and, and how important is he to your team
0: Sean's a, Sean's a really good player. He's someone that we've we've really enjoyed working with. We obviously first signed him at, at Lincoln City from from Dover Athletic. He was playing for Dover in uh, part-time. Um we saw a, a physicality about Sean. He's a, he's a no-nonsense defender, very very good in both boxes. Um he's he, he's someone that's that's a much better footballer than people actually give him credit for, um, and we worked really, really hard with him. One, once he came to Lincoln, um, his, his attitude and his his, his humility and, and willingness to learn were 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 were, were just exceptional. And um, yeah, we worked really hard on his defensive footwork and his one v one defending and his defending of, the, of his back, the space behind him. Um, and he had a, had an exceptional season with us as a consequence of 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 I think he got in maybe twelve goals that season, scored a scored the goal at Burnley that got us to the quarter final with the FA Cup and that really raised his profile and we then sold him to Norwich and actually loaned him back. Um so we, we were we he, he stayed with us in, in that League two season. Um and then we were yeah, really disappointed to, to, to lose him but but, but really proud of, of, of the fact that he was going on to to Norwich who were were at championship level at the time and um we then arrive at Portsmouth and of course um inherit him again and yeah, no, it's been great to work with him. You know, he's he's had a really consistent season. I think that probably shows in, you know, the team's defensive work and 17 clean sheets this season. He's been he's been a big part of that.
1: Yeah, Uh, the size of your playing squad, as well as something spoken about uh, a fair bit in pre-match interviews recently. And on that note, uh, this Twitter account with the handle at Cowley's Cows has asked the following two questions. Uh, First of all, in an ideal world, how would you like the squad to be made up? Previously, you've mentioned around 22 players, and from that, you'd assume perhaps two for every position. But I don't see us with six centre backs. Is there a position you would you'd like to have an extra man, but therefore lose a player? in another position in the process well I think
0: a lot's been made of, of us having a small squad um, I think for us to compete in this division you know there's probably four clubs in our division that have got double our wage bill this year um, so we had to go probably for quality rather than quantity um, in an ideal world we'd like to work with 22 and maybe four younger players um, that, you know we could then develop and, and try to find a pathway for um, yeah you would like to in every position, but for us, we kind of would like a squad where we can use a back three or a back four, and be able to be quite adaptable with with regards to the to the system. The the principles for us always stay the same. We want to play high energy attacking football. We want to defend really early and win the ball back as high up the pitch as we possibly can, and then want the players to think forward, to play forward, and to run forward. Um, so the principles never change, but certainly the the, the numbers, the systems can. Um, I think in that 22, yeah, you would like definitely to have two in every position, probably four to five centre-halves and normally one or two that can play across positions and then you have a little bit of flexibility. It's always nice to have a little... Uh, at least one or two that, that that are able to to play well in uh, across the, across a number of positions.
1: Yeah, There's a big task at the start of this season, Danny, with the um, you know the big overhaul of the squad following the, the inheritance of you know the, the previous management, Kelly Jacket, the squad you had uh, here last season. This season, towards the end of this campaign, heading into next season, perhaps expecting perhaps another very very busy summer transfer window ahead of next season it's going to be another massive task for yourself and Nicky perhaps to try and remain some consistency from this season into next season with kind of players and personnel you've got up a team
0: Absolutely yeah no, it will be a challenge for sure we want to try to get to continuity and you know we would like um, to be in a position where we're maybe making five six changes to the squad and not 9 or 10 as we envisage this summer but that's ultimately where we're at as a football club and that's why we're in a transitional period and we're trying to accelerate through this period as quickly as we can because we know that to have success and if I look back at the the promotions that I've had as a manager, it's always been on with, with steady strong foundations and I think for us first and foremost when we arrived it was to try to affect the culture we wanted to try to create an elite environment I still think we're working towards that. We've certainly made gradual steps and, and gradual progress with a lot of the provisions that support the first team. We're trying to improve the the, the environment every day, um, and I think you want to try to create an environment which takes the excuses away from the players. That's so professional that that, 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 that there's no excuses for the players, and that, you know it's an environment where the 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 players are really well supported, not pampered but really well supported and, and it gives them the opportunity to play at their very best on a consistent basis. Um, but we do know that that, that human relationships and con- human connection come over time so we'll, if we can try to create continuity, particularly with regards to the the, 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 the playing personnel, then, then that will definitely help
1: us. A lot of the foundation yourself and Nicky have laid over the last twelve months is built uh, upon a particular mentality, grit and determination. Are, are two words I know you like to often refer to. Just how important is it that you've got the right players in your team wherever you are, not just at Pompey, but, but kind of fit the ethos the ethos that you're looking for.
0: Absolutely, for for us, it's it's quite hard to to put in what God left out. So um, you can you can always improve the players technically. You can certainly. Improve the players physically as well. Um, it, I think you can. I think what I've learned in football management, and now you know, 15 seasons, is that you can't change people. Maybe you can shape them and take the edges off of people, but I don't think you can change them. And when the pressure comes on, most people revert back to type. So to sign the right characters is is absolutely crucial. And again, if I look back at the success that we've had, it's normally been when we've had like minded players. And like-minded staff in 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 the same dressing room, um, and when you have that alignment, that can be that can be pretty powerful.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned as well the, the kind of relationships you're building with with the football club, with players here um, at Portsmouth, but also a lot of the work that you've done over the past twelve months off the pitch with the likes of pumping the community and building the foundations with for supporters. Uh, another very important role in, in yes, you want to get this team up to the next level. Yes, you want to try and improve the squad into next season, but equally as important is building those relationships with the community, with the local trust and, and most importantly with the fans as well. Without a doubt for, for me when I look at this football club what is our definer
0: it is our supporters and uh, you know the incredible passion that they show. Now we understand that with passion you get the highs but also the lows which I can live with because I you know for me it's for the the fact that people care is is what is is so important but we need to make sure that we we reconnect the, the the supporters and and i think we've made made gradual steps in doing that um i think the more we can get out whether it's you know myself or the management team or the players out into the local community to create that connection and you know some you know human relationships only build uh, through connection and through spending time with people so the more we can do that the more people can understand how we're trying to work what we're trying to achieve maybe the journey that we're on and then um, through that understanding yeah like I said the relationships start to to build and, and, and develop and you know some of the support we've had at Fratton Park Particularly, some of the support we've had away from home. I mean, you know, being on the south coast, the amount of miles our our away support have to travel, um, and you know, the 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 unconditional love that we've had really since the day we've arrived has been, uh, you know, we're we're so appreciative of. And you know, I wake up every morning with the responsibility of of this football club and knowing how much it means to to so many people within the community. Um, and that, that that inspires me every day
1: just goes to show as well you, you experienced in the final 12 games of last season, um, which was COVID hit there were games behind closed doors we had to see out the remainder of that campaign um, without supporters, and you mentioned the, the key that the supporters have and the vital role they've got in playing with this football club and the incredible support away from home as well could you tell as soon as we headed into this season back in August the game away at Fleetwood, the home game at Shrewsbury the two examples of the return of supporters just the, the kind of difference you had as a manager on the dugout experiencing a, a completely empty Fratton Park and then just a Fratton Park fall to the rafters full of excitement with the support that you mentioned behind you Yeah
0: for me football is is for the people and it's it's a brilliant game um, That's that's loved by so many people and you know we we spent a long period without the people without the supporters and for me the game lost its lost its energy and it becomes soulless really and uh yeah i was so pleased that the supporters have have been back in this stadium uh been back in this season um for us like i said uh, our our supporters Um, define us and and ultimately make this the special football club that it is and what we have to do is to try to create a a team that they can be proud of, that they can connect with um, that represents them well as as people and we know that Portsmouth is is a working class city we know that the people are incredibly determined and resilient and are gritty um, and we need to make sure that we we show those qualities consistently on the pitch and if we do that then the people will connect and the people will start looking forward and that's what we want our supporters to do we want to try to create something that's exciting enough that they can look forward so that we don't have to keep keep looking back and yeah. um we're not quite there yet, but we're working really hard to try to achieve that.
1: Yeah, uh, That brings me on nicely to the next question from Sam Carter, who says, I'd love to ask what your, your own definition of your starter of play is. We've speculated a lot, and I think it's fair to say we know what tactical system you prefer. But what is your definition of the Pompey we've begun to see as your Pompey?
0: Yeah, well, in terms of tactical systems, I'm not caught up with numbers. So you know, for me, it's just just try to find the best way of playing with the players that you have at your disposal. And I think it's our job to try to pick the right players for the right system and put the players in the on the right piece of grass that they feel most comfortable in to be able to play at their best. And that's always what you're you're trying to do. You're trying to create the right partnerships and the right combinations. In terms of the style, we want to play fast, attacking, high energy football. Um, we we you know we we want to defend early. We want to win the ball back high up the pitch. I think the statistics show that 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 we're in the top three teams in Europe in terms of in terms of winning the ball back and, and turnovers high up the pitch. We haven't quite been able to to gain value from that in terms of turning those turning those um, turnovers into into goals. And that's something that we're working hard to, to, to try to improve. Um, and I think when we win the ball, we want the players to be forward-thinking, forward-running. And then we want to we, we play with purpose. And this is what we're, we're trying to work towards. Are we there yet? No. Um, are we making steps in the right direction? I I believe we are.
1: Yeah. Uh, A question here from James, who asks, you were initially given a temporary contract at the end of last season for the remaining 12 league games with a view to a permanent deal in the summer. Obviously, we didn't quite make the playoffs last season, but was it ever a case of quite simply not staying unless a top six finish was achieved? Was it all just, we'll see how it goes?
0: No, I, I think, you know, one... You know, I, I spoke to a lot of people and a lot of people said that I was mad to take the, 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 the short-term contract. Um, but for us, it was Portsmouth Football Club and I know that, that many of our supporters would, would give everything just to manage the club for one day. So we just felt it was a privilege to have the opportunity to manage it for, for 12 games. We believed in our work ethic, we believed in our skill set. We believe we could we could make it successful. When I met the owners, I was just really impressed with them and what they had to say, and you know the the fact that they were they were they were always thinking about the the future for the club and to try you know they were all of their focus was around trying to create a a foundation where the club could have sustained success. So they spoke about the work they were going to do to Fratton Park, the fact that they were going to buy the their training ground on the. On on the island, and and and, and Portsmouth were going to have have their own training ground in the city for the first time in their history, and these were all really really important things for us. And uh, when we spoke to Michael and the family, we felt like we'd made a good 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 early impression and a good early connection, and. Yeah, I think that gave us the confidence to take the job and um, yeah, I suppose the rest is history.
1: Yeah, uh, Jack Davis has got in touch on Twitter. Uh, With another big turnover of players likely in the summer, do you already have targets in mind uh, and will the club hope to, to get business done early to bed these sidings in, even if perhaps their value is more affordable towards the end of, uh, end of the window?
0: Yeah, good question. I think for us as, as coaches we would love to have our, our squad together. Uh, at, at the end of June going into pre-season this is so important for us because that period of time that six week period in pre-season is absolutely vital because you get you know it's the only time that you get that sustained period on the grass to kind, to kind of develop the game idea build the relationships build the partnerships and ultimately just build the players understanding of how you want to play yeah. um, last year was really tough it was the toughest pre-season that I've had as a manager um, because we just you know, we went into pre-season with pretty much 11, 12 players. I mean, you know, at the end of June, we didn't have one central midfielder in the building. Um, so so it was tough. And ultimately, we, we spent a lot of pre-season coaching trialists and, and only a small percentage of our squad. But that's where we were at. And we were trying to get the best value for, for, for the money that we had available. Um this year, our, our ambition is to try to do our work early. That's what we would like to do. We would love to be in a position, like I said, to, to have the squad together, or at least eighty percent of the squad together, at the end of June, so we could could really attack the pre-season I think if we're in a position to do that, then that will really help us for 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 the for for the season ahead. Yeah.
1: Uh, Graham Wilkins on the emails. Hi Jake, hi Danny. Uh, obviously, the season has been one of many ups and downs, with uh, a very congested season culminating in April. Uh, the April running that's going to test uh, our squad to the limit. Never say never as regards to the playoffs, but if it's not to be this year, would you be hoping to keep the nucleus of the side you have now? And are you excited about what you can possibly be done in the next year's, you know, few years to come with this nucleus of the side?
0: Absolutely, for us, we're going right to the end. We have eight games to go. Um, we're going to attack each game and try to win each game, um, and then we then we will see where it takes us. I think with regards to the squad, we would like to to be able to to extend some of the loans, maybe make some of the loans permanents. I mean, you look at. A young player like Hayden Carter or George Hurst. I think these are players that we should be trying to sign um, as a football club because I, I, I know that both players are on a on an upward curve. Um and and yeah, that would then allow us to have more continuity because as you've already alluded to there, there is going to be some change. Um and and I think think for us to, to have have the opportunity to to keep maybe 12 13 14 of this squad uh, would, would 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 definitely help us because then we'd be in a position where we had a spine and then we could we could add add. Add to it with hopefully some some young exciting signings.
1: Yeah, uh, Gav Jones on the emails has got in touch um, asking if if perhaps be the, the end of the season, but the, the final eight games. Gav says I'm, I'm certainly not uh, a, a defeatist, and I'll continue to back and support the team until the very end, until it's uh, at least mathematically impossible not to get the playoffs. But in the run into the season, could we perhaps see the likes of you know the likes of Harry Stewart, White and perhaps even Jay Mingy uh, involved a little bit more than perhaps we have at the, the, the kind of start of the season? That's from Gavin Jones.
0: I think it's been great that, that both boys have been in, been involved in, in match day squads. Um I think for us it's always to set our players up to have success and we have to choose the right time to 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 play them um and, and the right time to, to bring them into the team. I think young Harry is is just seven just seventeen. Um he's away with Wales at the moment and, and that's a brilliant experience for him. Um it's quite early in his his development um for, for sure but he's he's made some really good progress this year which is which has been great to see jay is is dynamic he's athletic um he's very good against the ball um he's very very good at at putting fires out and the defensive transition when teams try to counter, he's he's got a wonderful ability to take to, to, to eat up the grass and um, and and to turn the ball over. We're working every day with him technically and tactically to improve his his ability in possession so that he can he can he can he can keep adding to, to that area of his game. But but no, there's um you know we've got some some young players that that. Um, we're we're excited about we're we're working with them every single day to try to improve and for us this, these are the type of players that we want to work with and the aim this summer is to bring some more young exciting players to the football club.
1: Yeah, okay. But time really is beginning to escape us now, so I think we're going to jump into our second and final ad break of the night. After which we'll continue our chat here with Danny Kelly and rain in the final questions from you guys back home as well. Don't go anywhere and join us again in just a few moments' time. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Hello there and welcome back for the final time this evening to the Football Hour here on Express FM, supported by Stagecoach South and StagecoachBus.com is where you need to go for the latest information regarding fare updates, timetable information and route changes which may affect you. Well, Pompey's end-of-season dinner is coming up soon and you can join in with the event too. On the evening of Sunday, the 1st of May, the club is hosting their first end-of-season dinner since 2019, with the pandemic unfortunately having something to say about the last couple of years. For £85 plus VAT per person, you'll be joined by players and management from the Blues First Team for a four-course fine dining experience. There will be awards given out to the players and staff, as well as a complimentary welcome drink, entertainment from uh, an afternoon dinner speaker a raffle and an auction as well if you're interested you can book online at Portsmouth, portsmouthfc.co.uk or call 0345 that's 0345 and choose option number two for more inquiries you can email awards at Let's get back into the conversation then, and I'm pleased to be able to welcome back onto the show Pompey boss Danny Carly. Danny, let's uh, come on now to this season a bit more. It's been uh, perhaps a strange as the word to use, uh, season to unfold. It's In the sense, we, we've seen some brilliant runs, um, such as the very start of the season and recently that eight-game eight unbeaten streak between the win against Burton at the start of Feb and the goal Straw draw with Ipswich 16 days ago. And some really tough periods as well, namely that time between the end of August, and end of October, where only one league win was picked up in that time. How, as a manager, do you pick your side up during difficult times like that to ensure that they're able to come back fighting and turn things around again?
0: I think you always learn a lot about yourself and a lot about your group in, in moments of adversity. I've been fortunate enough in in 15 years of football management not to have too many. I, I would say that that was my my worst spell. Um, it probably coincided with with some key injuries, um, probably to players in the same position. I think we went through a period in that that sort of September October um, month where we only had one um, one centre half really available to us. So we, that meant that we had to kind of Adapt the system and play people out of position, and yeah, we ended up having a having a tough run. And um I, I, like I said, I, I think you learn a lot in those in those in those moments. For us, it's never to get too low when 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 things are going against us, and not too high when 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 things go well. Often, easier said than done in in football. But no, we. um you know, when when we lose, it's always to work out the why's. That's what we do. We we kind of go into forensic detail um, in every game and, and try to learn from from every performance, win, lose or draw. Um, but when we do lose, you want to work out why. Where have you come up short in the game? And then you you, you know, for us, it's to to, to try to communicate to the players, whether that's on-field coaching, which is what we all love to do, and certainly how the players learn best, but, but also off-field coaching, because in the nature of a, a 46-game season, when the games are coming thick and fast, you don't always have that much time on the grass with the players, so to, to find ways, whether that's in individual meetings or department meetings or collective meetings, um, where you can... You can explain to the players and develop the players understanding um, is, is, is ultimately what you're trying to do and I think we, we come through that. I think we're a better team post, post the January transfer window which we always felt we would be. Um, I think only, only one loss in 10 games and we're looking forward now to attacking the,
1: the final eight games of the season and, and seeing what it brings. Uh, that word, adversity, spoken there, and fair to say as well, with the challenges faced this this season with injuries, suspension, the international breaks, just to name a few factors. But we know from your time at the club s- so far, it, it's these ultimatums for you in a way that you perhaps thrive off of because it gives you the opportunity to, to work more and to try and do, do more to try and make the side even better.
0: Yeah, I think at, at times this year we've had to be really pragmatic and we've had to, to be adaptable, um, whether that be personnel systems. Um, that that has just been what the season's fr- 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 thrown out. Really, that's that, that's been the cards that we've been dealt, and we knew that we were going to go into the season with a smaller squad than probably we would have liked. But we we felt that it was the the best way for us to to be successful in what was an incredibly competitive division this year. I mean, I don't think anybody anticipated. Um, how competitive this division would be financially at the, at the top end, particularly coming off of two two COVID seasons or two seasons that have been really hit by COVID, um, and 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 yeah, ultimately we knew that probably for us to 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 achieve what we wanted, we would need to stay on the right side of, of injuries and probably the right side of, of of luck. We haven't always been able to do that, but but ultimately we. Um, we we stayed really focused. The the players have worked incredibly hard, um, and we feel that we're we're on an upward curve. And it's only gradual steps, and it's not been the the rate of knots that we would would have liked. But 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 certainly we um, we have a clear clear vision of where we want to want to want to want to be. Um, we've got the self awareness to know where we're at today. Um, and I think once you know the start point and the and destination, then uh, the processes or the stepping stones, if you like, become become that much clearer.
1: Yeah, uh, An email here from uh, John who asks, have you got a positive relationship with, uh, with the powers that be above you in, in the form of uh, Michael Eisner and indeed Andy Cullen when it comes to trying to make transfers? Are you all aligned particularly um, within the same region to ensure that you get the players in that you want? That's from John on the emails
0: yes we are you know we've got a really good relationship with the owners the, the owners love the club I mean they've, they've been incredible I think you know last season's finances will be out at some point this week and I think people will start to realise um, the, the the contribution that they've made for, for this club to come out come through two Covid hit seasons debt free um, is because of their generosity and they, they make decisions for the longevity of this football club I think anybody that's been a Portsmouth supporter and that lived the the the, the administration years um, and what that did to the club and what that did to the city and the community um, when, when Michael and his family came to the club they vowed never to allow the, the club to get into that financial position again and they are slowly but surely building a um, real foundations that will allow the club to have sustained success over a period of time Um, in terms of transfers you know for you know like the supporters we all want success yeah straight away and we, we respect that we live in a world of, of instant gratification where everybody wants everything <laughs> yesterday um, and, and we're absolutely no different in that and I just think for us our relationship is really healthy We they tell me what's affordable and I, I tell them what's the best value for, for that affordability and that, that is how we work um, we really want going forward to, to try to um, target young players that are on an upward curve. That doesn't mean that we will only sign young players. No. We understand that at this level you do need some experience to, to support the young players but we know that to have success we've got to try to bring some young players in we can then develop and improve and enjoy their performances and then hopefully then be in a position to be able to sell them on and use that finance finance successfully to then recruit
1: the next group of young players Mm. Uh, Joe Morrell was a a big signing back in the summer of course there was the the sort of miniature transfer saga with, with Ipswich Town, the likes of Michael Jacobs involved in that as well. What was going through your mind at the time when Joe Morrell perhaps reportedly was on the, on, on the cusp of signing for Ipswich Town because you managed to get him down at Fratton Park like that?
0: Yeah, for us, we, we were in a, in a really good position to, to sign, sign Joe and we felt that we were, it was probably done um, or close to being done and then, then Ipswich kind of blew us out of the water. Um, it was a It was a really difficult period for Joe because I think his heart was telling him to to come to us but but there's obviously you know you respect as a as a professional and as a human being there's there's a financial element and um you know eventually I think Joe had the opportunity to speak to Ipswich and to speak to us again um and and he went with his heart and that says a lot about him as a boy he he loves football um he wanted to come somewhere where I think he felt that he was gonna be really valued and a big part of something moving forward. And um yeah, we're we're really pleased that, 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 that he chose us because he you know, he's a player that we think will will allow us, you know, going forward to have the success that, that, that we all, all wish for this football
1: club. Well, that's quite some way uh, down the line now, nine months away or eight months away now from uh, the commencement of the 2022 World Cup with the, the implications that it has on English football, the Premier League and the Championship taking sort of a winter break to allow the World Cup to, to commence and, and not disrupt their season. League 1 and 2 expected to continue through that. Now, Wales are very close to, to qualifying for the World Cup. They beat Austria in their playoff semi-final. if Wales do get through to the World Cup finals. Is there going to be some sort of disruption to Joe Morrell's time at Fratton Park? and Are you prepared to to try and overcome that difficulty?
0: Well, I think if Wales get to the World Cup finals, then then Joe will be part of that squad. We're we're pretty sure of that because he's been a key 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 member of that of that team. Um, if that happens, we'll be really pleased for for Joe and for Wales. Um, for us, actually, there's only two league games in that period because right. the way the 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 fixtures have been been scheduled. Um, there's no midweek games during the World Cup period. I think there's there potentially will be two league games and then maybe two FA Cup games. Okay. So it won't affect our league campaign too much. Um, and and like I said, for for us, we we always support our players. So it's always to be player orientated. I think you know for us to to want the very very best for our players and. By doing that and by treat, treating them in that way then you naturally hope that they reciprocate and, and give everything for, for, for the team and for the club and, and for yourself.
1: Yeah, uh, We've received an email here from James Taylor who asked, I know how much time you invest in the non-league pyramid pyramids, and appreciate how crucial it is for local communities. With that in mind, have you any interest in, in attending the FA Vase semi-final this week between Littlehampton and Loughborough University on Saturday? Some great young players coming from through at this level James ends the email with
0: yeah well I was lucky enough to get to an FA Vars semi-final myself in my first year as a manager and we lost the lower off unfortunately um, and and yeah it's a great level of football and you know I think we had over 30 players that left us at Concord Rangers to go on to have professional careers people like Ryle, uh, Lyle Taylor people like Ryan um, just just to name a couple um, Alex Woodyard, who obviously would would have followed us to Braintree to, and and to Lincoln, and and then we sold him to Peterborough. So. Um, yeah, we know how many good players there are at the lower levels, and we're, we're always open-minded. I was in L- Little Hampton watching my daughter play on on Sunday morning, actually. Oh, right. So um, football hotbed for sure. But um, no, we wish them all the success, and it's great to see a, another South Coast team um, having a successful season.
1: Yeah, uh, and really off the back of that question from James, uh, emphasizing the time off that the Siders had recently from not playing. Have you? How have you dealt with such a long period of time with no fixtures and? Really, what have you been up to? Because we know you like to go on your own scouting missions. If Pompey aren't in action, you like to go to these different games. Have you been able to do that recently? Yes,
0: we have. Yeah, yeah. I was at, at Notts County on Tuesday. I watched Notts County versus Boreham Wood, and then on Saturday I went to Northampton. Watched Northampton Hartley um, I'm watching the young England team play at Colchester tomorrow evening. So, I've been able to I've been able to get my football fix. And for us, we have a really small support team, um, but but all of the staff are just so willing to go the extra yard and go out and watch games. Um, and that really helps us because, like I said, our recruitment team is small. Um, so the fact that the staff are willing to get out to games is is so important to us because. You know, for all the work that we do in terms of data and statistics, there is nothing better than to watch football live in in, in terms of recruitment, and we find that you know, can you can you? Um, can you eliminate the risk in recruitment? No, but you can certainly minimise it and, and and by going the extra yard and going out and watching games live, you know, that, that helps to do that
1: yeah. Just time for one final message before we do have to leave you this answer will have to be very short Danny um, Mark on the text, can I thank Danny for taking the wheel and do you think next season will be challenging for automatic promotion?
0: our aim is to keep getting better our aim is to keep keep improving um this is a wonderful football club a football club that we have a, you know feel so privileged um to be a part of we know what the supporters want and we're working every single day to to try to achieve that and to try to reconnect the the people with a football club and create a football club that that ultimately they can all be proud of
1: Well, that is it, I'm afraid, the ends of tonight's show. We've had an absolute blast over the course of the last hour speaking to Pompey head coach Danny Cowley. Danny, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to come in and see us tonight. It's been wonderful to have you on uh, and hopefully we can do this again soon pleasure thanks for having me and on behalf of myself everyone here at Express FM and I'm sure all tuning in this evening we wish you all the very best for the remainder of the season well how great was that my thanks go out to everyone who tuned in tonight and got in touch with their questions on our social media platforms big thank you to Stagecoach across the South for supporting the football hour this season as well unfortunately still no blues game to come anytime soon next Tuesday the 5th of April is the next time we'll see the team in action away to Bolton Wanderers before then we've got another special edition of the show coming your way this friday i'll be here with pompey ceo andy cullen to talk all things pompey including an update on the fratton park redevelopment work for search for a new head of football operations and the challenges he has faced throughout his first season on the south coast henry's back with over the white line on wednesday evening from six and kevin stokes is here from nine tonight after jeff and aid after the news at seven have a great week pompey fans thank you for tuning in and good night take care